You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 95 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. It's a great sunny day in Sydney. I know. It's sunny in Melbourne too. No. It's so exciting. No. I can feel like uh, spring is in the air and you can smell the jasmine, all the uh, flowers. I took my bike out today. It was lovely. You, you Stella? It took Stella, Stella out. Yeah, yes. it was beautiful. It was like I didn't have to wear, I didn't have to dress like the Michelin man today oh, yes. to ride her. And I still had all my thermals from Iceland, so I could have, but didn't need them, Val. Oh, that's good. And, of course, Stella good. is um, Gina's Vespa. Is it a Vespa? Yeah. Or? Yes. yes. So I'm still on my L's, Val, but uh, shortly I'll be going for my license so right. I don't need to have the L plates. That's your learner's license. Yes, yes. Okay. so I'll be going for my, Good you know. On you. Yeah, it's exciting. Now, <laughs> I'm excited about this week's topic because we're going to delve into your epic Iceland photography road trip. Yes. Correct? Yes. Goodness Can't wait to me. Like, yes. Iceland. I have always wanted to go to Iceland ever since I saw this great mo- great movie called The Girl in the Cafe, right. uh, which is uh, set in predominantly in Iceland. And, um, yes, have been keen to go there and, and check it out, but um, – haven't. So I shall live vicariously through you. But okay, before, great. before we get on to that, uh, we have some shout outs, don't we? Yeah. So um, there has been some awesome work coming through uh, the Gold community and also the podcast Facebook group, Val. And I just wanted to share a few shots. And uh, I'm just uh, so impressed by how everyone is uh, developing the technique and style and uh, so I just wanted to share a few of the shots so the first one uh, is from uh, David Rook who uh, shared a shot of uh, from a recent wedding that he cut in a deconsecrated uh, abbey and it's uh, David I would say this is one of the most beautiful shots I've seen you do so far the style that this shot is Awesome. I love it so much. We'll put the um, shots in the show notes and you can find them at GinaMilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. If you want to head on over and have a look at uh, any of the photographs that we're talking about in this particular episode, or you don't have to, you can also just listen to us as you're walking the dog or driving the car. Uh, But yes, this is a great shot that's in sort of black and white. And it is, it seems like the, the, 
bride is in the foreground sitting on a yep. chair but she's sort of in profile with almost her back kind of to us and she's facing the groom who is sitting across a small room on a lovely velvet armchair and he is in his tux and and he is basically just sitting there with his hands together and he's just looking at his bride and the um it's it's taken at night because there's like a lamp in the room and there's mm. and, and it's on casting a lovely light onto some beautiful like embossed wallpaper kind of an oldie worldie but luxurious kind of room as well and it's a beautiful shot because this groom is just nonchalantly looking at his now wife i I assume and it's 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 like the photographer has just snuck into the room because there's using his depth of field there's some out of focus stuff which could could be like another armchair or sofa or something in the foreground and it really do- looks like he's peeking in on a little scene of what is this this couple's first moments in their new life yes. together and that's what I love about this Val it's the voice voyeuristic nature of the shot the fact that he's used uh, these out of focus foreground elements so he's actually shot through something which is something that I uh, encourage a lot of uh, photographers that I'm teaching to do just uh, that, 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 that little bit of something in the foreground that leads your eye uh, into the hero of the shot which is the groom so everything uh, he used all those elements like the the, the bride is out of focus uh, the foreground and everything leads you to where you want to look which is the groom and then he's very cleverly uh, made it look like the actual lamp is what's lighting um, the groom as well so it's so beautifully done and the post-production David is uh, superb it's like a uh, uh, he's uh, uh, desaturated the image, but left some warmth in the, in the tones, and so mm. the tones are beautiful. The like there's just enough of a black in there. Some beautiful, beautiful details. Fantastic. Love it, love it, love it. Fantastic. Yes, it's beautiful. And we also have a great shot from Matt Zahn, and he has um, gone to a gig, it seems, and there is a guy who he looks like he's playing an electric guitar, yep. and uh, it's just a, it's got some great tones because the, um, the electric guitar is kind of like a reddy, maroney, rustic colour, and the background is kind of a similar hue um and the guitarist is really in action he's got a microphone in front of him but he's kind of leaning back as he's obviously playing some kind of exciting guitar riff and it's a great shot as well it's the grittiness that I love about this and the passion that he's captured in the shot. You know, the guy's so into playing and you just – like the shot's mesmerising. I love it, Matt. Again, one of my favourites uh, from you as well. So well done on this shot. Just beautiful. Cool shot. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. And there's also a shot from Kerry Sitch. And Kerry uh, says she was encouraged by Gina's newsletter last week. So she's Got posting... a lot of feedback from that newsletter, Val. A yeah. lot of uh, said that they loved that one so that, that, that was really cool to hear and if you're not already on Gina's newsletter make sure you sign up at ginamilitia.com so um, so Kerry decided to post a few shots from a couple of weeks ago when she had a chance to be in one of her happy places and get her feet wet and experiment with her latest lens 
acquisition. So there are a couple of shots here. Um, one is she obviously lives near a beach because it's mm. of a beach and she's one of the shots is the classic rule of thirds where she's got sky. It seems like the sun's setting, I think, in the, um, in the top third and then water with waves breaking in this beautiful green colour in the middle third and then sand in the uh, bottom third with some footprints going across the sand mm-hmm. and the wave is literally about to break and it's just so beautiful. I absolutely adore, adore, adore yeah. this shot. I love it so much um, and I think it's a, it certainly would be my happy place as well. But yeah. what she's also done is posted another shot which is a little bit moodier, Gina. Yeah, so it's a, a, an artier a treatment that she's done on this one. And again, it's like she's captured uh, the mood, the vibe, what it feels like. And, and so you know, I love both these images and I love the fact that you shared them, uh, Kerry. Uh, the, the, the second shot, uh, the, the first one that you described, Val, with the, the green water uh, mm. about to break, I'd happily have that as my screensaver. Yeah, to beautiful. Look at every day so with you. Just like I can see why it's a happy place. So mm. well done, Kerry. And uh, I've been workshopping uh, some stuff with Kerry in the goal community this week about a big shoot she's about to do. So I'm excited, uh, excited for her for that for that shoot. Uh, it should be awesome. So um, yeah, cool stuff. Cool stuff happening, Val. Very, very cool. Now, let's get stuck into this epic road trip that you've done in Iceland. Tell me, why did you want to go to Iceland? Because it's there, Val. No, no, I'm not taking that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just a lazy answer. I want you to think about it and actually tell me what inspired you to go to Iceland. Every time um, I've seen uh, photographers post about Iceland, photos about Iceland, I've just looked at it and I'm like, oh, my God, this place looks so rugged and amazing. And then I heard about the fact that you there's uh, a ring road that you can actually uh, drive around the entire country. Um, oh, because you're used to driving on a ring I road. Every time, I, <laughs> every time I talk to Gina in the car, I say, where are you? And she goes, I'm on the Ring Road, which is a road in Melbourne. It's a highway in Melbourne that goes nowhere near as exotic as Iceland. Not, it's not as exotic, but I do. I love road trips. I've done a lot of uh, driving in my time. I've driven through a lot of countries. I do, I, and, uh, you know, in the last five years, every time I land in a new country, uh, the first thing I do is hire a car and I prefer to drive rather than, you know, get public transport. And I really <laughs> get a sense of, I don't like public transport transport that no. much but you really get a sense of uh the country and so i'm very comfortable driving on uh either side of the road depending on what country i'm in uh it was a bit confusing when i came home val and i have to keep using the best advice i ever got mm. was when you're driving and you're not used to the when you're on the other side of the road uh, in a different country that you're used to yeah. one thing to remember val mm. is your steering wheel yes. needs to be furthest from the curb so if you because so, sometimes you're driving along, you go, I hope I'm on the right side of the road. Oh, okay. You check your steering wheel, check the curb. If it's furthest from the curb, you're okay. Okay. Or you can just <laughs> know that. On the right side of the you, road. 
or you can just know which is the right side of the correct side well, of the road and just drive on it. It's a bit confusing in the moment, so this is a really good way to do it. So I did use that, but it's um, very uh, easy to drive around Iceland. Uh, not not that tricky at all. The roads are pretty good. Uh, they're only single single lanes either way, so that can be a bit hairy at times. But uh, I found it uh, very comfortable. The uh, driving distances are not what Google Map tell you. So basically, <laughs> it's when it says it's two hours, double it, uh, and in some cases, triple or quadruple. So I did get okay. caught out a few times on a few of the drives. So, but we'll we'll dive into that uh, in this podcast, Val. So, um, you know what? I think I have to start with um, a quote. Okay, a quote about Iceland. Uh, a quote that's uh, very appropriate for Iceland, I okay. think. Are you ready for my quote? Go on. Okay. So don't go chasing waterfalls. Please <laughs> stick to the rivers and the lakes that you used to. I know that you're going to have it your way or nothing at all, but I think you're moving too fast. And that's from TLC, also covered by Bette Midlevel. Oh, profound. <laughs> profound quote. Okay. So, there are lots of waterfalls okay. in Iceland, like more waterfalls in Iceland than any other country in the world. But, you know, get this, I only visited two while I was there okay. because I don't like going where there's lots of tourists. Okay. And uh, there are a lot of uh, tourists that will go to Iceland. Perhaps they're not photographers, but they'll go visit each, uh, you know, of the hero spots mm. and uh, take their photo and then move on to the next spot. And uh, I, something a bit annoying about 500 people being at a waterfall that I want to photograph that <laughs> me off. So mm-hmm. there was a few that I knew. I'm like, oh, that's that epic waterfall. Oh, look how many buses and cars are there. I'll just keep driving. <laughs> so I wanted it – I, I kind of wanted it to feel like I'd discovered and stumbled upon these places on my own. So right. uh, I did. I didn't, I didn't sort of – the only plan was that I was going to drive anti-clockwise around Iceland and I uh, booked the first and second place that I was going to visit and the rest of the accommodation was booked as I I went along because I wasn't sure how long it was going to take me to drive everywhere. So uh, (laughs) I I just sort of planned it that way. I got caught out once where I kind of didn't really plan the driving way and I I was stopping so often that I got into uh, the third destination very, very late into the night. Oh, no. so, but everything else uh, went 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 pretty much according to plan. So, so did uh, you stick to the rivers and lakes that you're used to? <laughs> no, I went off the beaten track a bit, but not too much because, uh, like, when I got the hire car, they're like, are you going to do any off-road driving? And I'm like, no, it's like a standard two-wheel drive. But mm. Like, the ring road itself is all bitumen, mm. but if you try and go, uh, like, you can, if you're a real four-wheel drive nut, uh, you can go off-road, you can go across rivers and things like that. But I was driving on my own, Val, and mm. I didn't think that was a really clever because no. knowing I'd not judge the river to height yes. well, drown or something. So I didn't. But what I did do is uh, I got myself one of those uh, mounts for my phone and put it on the windscreen. Oh, yes. And uh, took shots off my iPhone of the roads. The scenery oh. changes basically every five minutes. So, uh, so in the show. Notes- hang on. So you put the – you mounted your phone on the windscreen and every so often would just press – 
take a shot. Take a shot, like the press, press the button. Yeah, and so I've uh, put about 18 oh. of those uh, frames into the show notes there of all the different um, – the clouds were so sexy, Val. Uh-huh. The roads were so sexy. And it's always – there wasn't any other cars on the road. I honestly felt like I had Iceland to myself. And the one really interesting thing that happened uh, on the uh, second or third uh, – second day as I was driving, I was well out of the main city of uh, Reykjavik. Yeah. And I'd been driving for a couple of hours and I found a really good location and I found a place to pull over. Mm. I pulled over and I got out of the car and I was about to take a photo but then I thought there's something wrong Mm. something really wrong I can't hear Mm -hmm. I thought I'd lost my hearing bell (laughs) I couldn't hear anything and I'm like oh my god I've gone deaf something's (laughs) happened something's happened right because I couldn't hear did you speak no, I got my phone out and because uh, I, I had uh, had my tune Spotify. I, ha- I had Wi-Fi the whole way around the country, right? Why didn't you just say something? I didn't think. I was like in shock, right? I was in shock. I thought I'd gone deaf, Val. It was a serious moment, okay? I put... I put uh, I put Spotify on. Yeah. Uh, it was Adele actually for some of the trip. Okay. And um and uh, oh, I could hear again. It was that quiet. Okay. Silence. That like where where in anywhere that we live can you step out and not hear anything? Like there wasn't okay. even a bird that you could hear. Like nothing. It was so quiet. Here's so that's a the tip. first thing that struck me about Here's a tip. You don't have to use Spotify. You could have just spoken or sung yourself. But how would I know if <laughs> I use Spotify? It was better. For the drama, Val, if okay. it was ever going to be one of those movies made about my trip around Iceland, it wouldn't be that I speak. It would be that I fumble for the phone and put on Adele. Because you're mute. Hello. <laughs> oh, my God, you're bizarre. All right. Okay. So, okay, I have no words, to be honest. No. <laughs> so, so, let's so go So, it was on. amazing. So... I just want to, um, if, like, Iceland, why would I go there? For mm. a start, Iceland is like Disneyland on steroids for photographers. Right. It's got everything. Like, if you're a photographer and you love landscapes, the landscapes are so epic and so gobsmackingly beautiful. Like, I don't even have enough words, Val, that's your job, <laughs> to describe how beautiful it is. Like there is nothing that Maybe com- if you play Spotify, it will do it for you. Yeah, possibly. But there is nothing that can p- prepare you for mm-hmm. how beautiful it is. You just okay. go, oh, my God, look at that. Oh, my mm. God, look at that. And so you spend your whole time saying, oh, my God, that's amazing. And mm-hmm. you literally just want to spend your whole time with the camera just like shooting, you know, yes. and it's frustrating at times because because it's these single lanes either side, they, they didn't plan on, I guess, when they built the roads on that many tourists coming and visiting, so they didn't put uh, neat little places that you can just pull over and stop. So you'd be driving along and you'll see something amazing and there's nowhere to stop. So there were many occasions when I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, look at that. I have to stop. There's nowhere to stop. 
and then you'd drive up and try and finally find somewhere that you could pull over because sometimes it was just like a drop, a sheer drop to like click. So, you know, you don't want to die either. So looking for places to stop was like uh, one of the challenges of of the trip. And then often uh, tourists would be just driving along and find a great photo opportunity and just stop the car on the road and often you're driving along and you would constantly be having to look out for the cars that are just stopped on the road otherwise you'd be cleaning them up so Mm. it was uh yeah that would that was an interesting experience so in terms of size iceland is about the same size as tasmania in australia Mm -hmm. or the u.s state of Idaho. Ohio. Oh my God! Maybe so you should like... <laughs> play Spotify, and it'll say it properly for you. <laughs> so it's like thirty-nine thousand seven hundred sixty-eight square miles because I measured it. I got my tape measure yeah, out. Sure. Sixty-four thousand square kilometers in mm-hmm. size. So you could drive mm-hmm. around it. They reckon in about nineteen hours, oh, but God. it's not the case because you know the roads are windy and mm. some bits you got to go slow and some bits you got to go fast. I, I thought I got uh, a few speeding fines. You got a few speeding fines. I don't fines. know if I did. But I felt like I got photographed a few times, but oh. when I dropped the car off at the end of the trip, I didn't get any extra um, speeding fines. So hopefully that's still the case. Okay. Uh, so um, beautiful, amazing place. But let, let's just run through um, a couple of things. If anyone's planning to go, and um, if you can, and if you get an opportunity, I would definitely, definitely go. Uh, it's right up there with uh, India, Cuba, and Cuba as places that, like, just blew my mind. Like, there's so many things to see and photograph. And Iceland has everything. Like, the capital city of Reykjavik is so hip and grungy and cool, and it's got great architecture, uh, amazing, cool vibe about it, and, and great street art. So, so lots of stuff to photograph there. And then there's also the epic landscapes and... Uh, all the beautiful scenery, gorgeous clouds, the sunsets and northern lights fell. So, like, you've got mm. all of that. So there's everything in that, you know, for any photographer. So, um, and ideally, uh, I like, I, I'm not a big fan of doing uh, group trips, but not everyone wants to, you know, take, take themselves in a car and do all of that themselves. So there are great uh, tours that you can join, whether they're, like, groups of 10 photographers or you can get, like, uh, uh, one tour guide to take you in a group of four so there's there's all sorts of ways that you can do this or you can jump on a bus and 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 join another tour if you do it so there's lots of ways and there's lots of different budgets that you can visit Iceland Mm -hmm. on some of the things that you need to know because I found when I was researching there was like some some research some stuff information out there but it wasn't all in one place I'm going to try and give it to you all like based on my experience okay uh, yeah everything you need to know so first of all you don't need cash in Iceland so even the smallest and most remote places will take credit or debit card you just tap and go so like even if you're buying a coffee um, you just you you use your credit card so you don't I I, uh, 
the only reason I had uh, any uh, uh, Iceland money was that I got a refund for something because I changed my mind about something that I bought and bought something else, and they refunded it in coins. So I've got one uh, one Iceland coin that I that I saved for that, but you basically don't need it. Um, wow. <laughs> so the food, uh, it's it's expensive. So it's probably the most expensive country I've ever travelled to, and I usually uh, gauge how expensive a country is you can tell by the price of a coffee that's what I use mm. so uh, I was in Reykjavik one night and uh, I asked uh, how much is the coffee and the answer was it's best you don't ask really <laughs> that was the answer they gave me and I said well, that's bizarre tell me how much I just paid for my coffee nine dollars Australian wow and so that's uh, like I think Paris I'll, I'll be paying seven or eight dollars so nine dollars is uh, probably the most I've paid for a coffee it was good but it wasn't that good yeah um, right and in a service station, you can also get coffee, and it ranged between uh, three to five dollars uh, Australian for a coffee there, which is still very expensive because our servo coffee is a dollar. Yes. Right. So, so that's still pretty expensive, and I'm not sure how, why it changed. Like the, sometimes I just thought they were making it up. <laughs> that means they go. Yeah, five bucks, <laughs> three bucks. <laughs> so, um, and uh, about thirty to seventy dollars for a, a, a cafe-style meal. Wow. So, so if you uh, eat out uh, every night, like you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it's going to set you back a fair amount. But you can get around that by like I, I did a lot of. Um, I'd often have lunch uh, and dinner uh, by just buying stuff, Fred fresh produce in the supermarkets or service stations where you could buy uh, great stuff, including Val, the new discovery. <laughs> what? Icelandic chocolate is amazing. Really? And they've this chocolate-covered licorice that is – Oh, no, don't do licorice. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, I loved it licorice. so much. I'm kind of glad I discovered it in the second half of the trip because I'd be rolling home <laughs> yes. several days heavier if I discovered it any earlier. But I like I love that so um, look out for it if you ever find it try it if you're a lover of licorice you're just going to like absolutely love this stuff a few general tips um Iceland closes early. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I did get caught out on uh, my second drive where I didn't get into town till about 8 o'clock at night and uh, kind of around 6 o'clock I was starting to get hungry. I found a service station. I'm like, great, I'm going to get a coffee. I'm going to get some food. I pulled up. It was closed. It closes at 5. Wow. uh, It's a good idea to stock up on food. Like if you ever see, wherever you see a supermarket or a petrol station that's open, fill up with petrol and uh stock the car with food so that you're not sort of caught out because yeah by the time i got to my hotel i just ran in and said is the is is the restaurant still open yeah it closes in 15 don't close just feed me Yeah, so that, that's, that's handy to remember. Everyone in the country speaks English, so mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Everyone is, like, so friendly. And, like, I'd be uh, in – like, a few, few of the places I went to, like, I'd meet, like, locals. That we'd, we'd get into a conversation, and then they'd invite me back to their place, Val, to show me what really? they did. And they, 
active in these like there was a, this graphic designer that I met she was like a web designer and she's just telling me about her job I'm telling her about her my job and she's like my place is right there it was just like across the road do you want to come and have a look because I've got a waterfall just out the back like so she lives like right in front of a waterfall and wow. that's her and then but that's not she lives there part-time her real home is the canary islands really Can, how exotic is that yeah yeah so it was really cool and she just had like th- just this waterfall out a window like that was her home so th- and then like wow. the water in iceland obviously it all comes from the beautiful waterfalls tastes amazing and uh y- you know the, and a, a good time to go i think if if you don't like uh, lots of tourists everywhere you go and uh, is to go in the winter months. So I picked September because of that. Uh, fewer tourists around, so you're going to find accommodation a lot easier and getting around is a lot easier. And as I said, driving for most of the time, uh, I was the only car on the road. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Jeez. And so did you go to many locals' houses? <laughs> like did you just front I, up and so, so um in the next episode i'll tell you a story about one of the locals that uh I, it, like did ended up uh, stumbling on their house because it was such an amazing location so two locals houses valerie if that's uh-huh. what you're asking that i visited <laughs> wow okay <laughs> that's how friendly they are okay so, some more tips uh clothing <laughs> so um it is cold uh so in the september that late september early october that i traveled uh the weather for the week that i was there it was uh sort of mild and sunny through the day so you could be like in a t-shirt or like a light hoodie and you'd be comfortable in the car but then when you go outside i'd put on like a thermal and a jacket um and you needed like a hat glove scarf at night and you should uh uh dress in layers so basically i did have it was cold I had thermal pants to go under my jeans, but I didn't wear them. I didn't need them. It wasn't cold enough. And mm-hmm. obviously I had my uh, trekking boots, which were essential uh, because there was a couple of days where I took them off and put my runners on because my feet hurt so much. Yeah. But, but I was really sorry because, like, it was too cold to be in runners. Like, you need the, the trekking boots that just to have a bit more protection in case you uh, step in water or things like that. So I was very uh, happy to have those and just to, to you know, be more sure-footed as you're going around, particularly when you're shooting at night. You don't want to be slipping over. So mm. the, the thermal, the layering is essential and make sure you've got, like, you can take you, you obviously your coat off and another layer while you're in the car driving and then layer up when you go outside particularly as it gets later in the day um the other thing val is uh the, the entire country is hooked up with 4g or 3g gotta love that gotta oh, love that oh. God, I was so happy about that everywhere. So when I got my hire car, they said, do you want a Wi-Fi dongle to take with you uh, in the car? And then I could have that in my bag whenever I left the car. So I was connected 24-7, which was fantastic. So I didn't need uh, any of the hotel Wi-Fi. I didn't need to be connecting. I was just hooked up the whole time, and it was fantastic. It was like an extra 10 bucks a day with the car. So that was awesome. Yeah, so get your Wi-Fi with the car that is a great idea 
Yeah. So petrol, they have a prepaid system, which is cool. So you just go up to the Bowser, you swipe your card, you put in how much you want to put in, and uh, then you leave. So even if the actual shop part that sells the food and the coffee is closed, oh. you can still get petrol, which was really okay. cool. So you, you never felt like even if you rocked up at midnight into a, a yeah. service station, you'd always get uh, petrol. Accommodation there, you can kind of, uh, it ranges like you can get the full luxury five-star experience or apartments that have Airbnb, so you can look at finding these uh, beautiful, so amazing... So what did you do? Well, how did you choose? Because you said you only booked your first two yeah, nights so or whatever. Yeah, Vic, I went with uh, an apartment. Um, but through because what? I, like how uh, did you find it? So I just go through something like booking.com, I think, or oh, something okay. like that to get my apartments. I looked at Airbnb, but I just wasn't exactly sure where these places were. Mm-hmm. And uh, in terms of timing, I didn't know like how long it would take me to drive. So I just stuck to booking the first two places, which I knew were close by. Mm. And then as I got a sense of the place, I would uh, then book. Uh, I ended up booking uh, either a hotel or an apartment. Right. In each places that I stayed I had a couple of cabins which were Ooh. like sort of uh, open plan apartment hotel just so you can have a bit more comfort so yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah I didn't really go with budget um, I sort of stayed in, in nicer places but there are lots of uh, budget hostels you can camp if you want to wasn't that keen on camping in, in that no. cold weather so so you know I was, I was pretty happy with what like and and uh really high tech like often you would be given a pin number and oh. uh you, you'd rock up to your apartment and you just key in the pin number and go inside you didn't wow. even see one but you didn't talk to anyone and the room was ready it was heated wow. and there'd be a vending machine outside with water and things like that right Jeez. Yeah, it was really cool a great idea so yeah. um yeah that that so that that whole part of it was really easy and sometimes i'd be booking the night before for the next night and yeah. uh and, and finding stuff and did, didn't have a problem finding accommodation so mm. is that the Carvel, so um, I went with a place, and I'm not paid to say this. I did this all myself. They okay. didn't sponsor me. But, uh, like, so I went through um, TripAdvisor yeah. uh, and a few other sites just to check the rating on the different car companies. And uh, these guys got uh, rated fairly high, so I ended up going with Lagoon Car Rental. They're not actually at the airport. They're five minutes away, but they come and they pick you up. So... Um, if you're travelling on your own and you like the idea of someone meeting you at the airport with your name on a sign, it's yeah. <laughs> always nice. Um, but they they came pick me up, and um, the, the you know the the thing is with the car insurance, uh, it's one price. But then once you start adding all the extras, windshield protection, uh, stone damage, and all all the insurances, it 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 gets up there. But like it's, I don't think in Iceland you should skimp on the insurance. I had to get something called um, lava and. Um, soot or um oh. yeah damage in case you yeah. drove into a volcano it, or something yeah yeah because you know that volcano that no one could pronounce yes the name of it that erupted a few years ago yes yes yeah. i got stuck overseas it, because of that that's right you were in brazil where were you uh rio well and then i got yeah. stuck in uh santiago chile that's that's right um uh yeah if you anywhere near there you've got to have this 
particular kind of insurance wow. that covers the case, yeah, and stone damage and all of that. So I basically got the full package, all the insurances. So if someone, if you someone crashes into you and you can just walk away and you don't have any excess to pay. Um, so, so did, now last episode we talked about the gear that you brought to Columbia because of what you wanted to achieve there. Firstly, before I, I want to ask you about the gear that you brought to Iceland, but firstly tell me what were you wanting to achieve? What kind of shots? Were, did You must have had some idea. Okay, so top of the list, Val, I yes. wanted to see the northern lights. And I, this is uh-huh. not guaranteed when you go to Iceland because okay. uh, the optimal conditions to see the northern lights is it needs to be clear uh, a clear night Uh, if it's not if it's Mm. cloudy you're not going to see them so sometimes you can go to Iceland and be there for three or four days and it can be overcast and rainy for the whole time Mm. or there's no uh you know, because the northern lights are on or they're off, uh, and you're not guaranteed <laughs> seeing them. So um, that has been my dream for you know uh, most of my life to see them. I'm just uh, so intrigued by uh, what causes them, and and just I've seen photos, but to see them in real life is a whole, is a whole other thing. So I did want to see them, and then also um, uh, just all the epic landscapes uh, that 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 is Iceland, and to capture some of the other side of Iceland which I was really interested in this street art of Reykjavik ah. uh, and, uh, and some of the sculptures there and uh, basically some of the uh, epic landscapes as well. So that's what I wanted to capture. So in terms of gear, I thought this through very carefully and I was just going to stick with uh, wide lenses, but then I thought about it and uh, I thought that a long lens would be really good because often um, scenery is a bit further away and uh, I I also wanted to capture some of the wildlife like the horses and the sheep of Iceland and the birds, Val. And so for that, I needed a long lens. So I did take the 70 to 200 as well as my 24 to 105 for some of the street photography, a mm-hmm. wider lens, which was this, uh, the, uh, the 16 to 35, um, which uh, captures, uh, like, you know, the epic landscapes, gives you really sexy skies. Uh, I, I brought my speed light, didn't need it. Um, five in right. one reflector. I thought maybe I'll bump into, like, a Viking and <laughs> <laughs> photograph him. I didn't I didn't meet any Val. I didn't meet any Vikings. I was Did really you? Disappointed. Really? What a surprise. I wanted to. Okay. Um, and then obviously the uh, solid and heavy uh, tripod, which you need because it's uh, very windy at times and, mm. the, and a lighter, flimsier one isn't going to cut it. Uh, the Cam Ranger, which did get a workout when I did the uh, shot the Northern Lights, MacBook Pro, iPad and ND filters and the one uh, accessory that I bought that which like I'm so happy was a last-minute uh, purchase at the airport, a flashlight, a little uh, LED oh. uh yeah, which came in really handy. And then the other extra things that, like, came in really handy was the uh, touchscreen gloves, which are thermal gloves, but oh. the pads get something on them so that you can still be wearing them outside and be able to operate an iPad uh, and they're tight enough so Where that your fingers you are still nimble. I got them from um, Katmandu where, where I dropped a small fortune, which is a, like a uh, – 
a, sh- a, a, a clothes store here in Australia that sells like, you know, outdoor thermal gear. outdoor sort so of gear. So what made you think of getting touchscreen gloves? Because I admit I probably wouldn't have even contemplated it. Because I knew that I was going to be outside in the cold and I, I knew that I was going to be using the cam ranger and I wanted mm. to be able to still use it. So, yeah, that was a great, great buy and, and yeah, that, that meant that I could just keep working because once you start taking your gloves off in that sort of cold weather, your fingers freeze up and you'll be, yeah. be going home early. And the other essentials were the um, mobile phone booster and I've got like a turbo one that will do four or five charges off one charge so you could recharge. So a battery charger uh, you're talking battery about. battery charger and it has uh, two ports so you can um, charge two, two things at once. Came in really handy on those long drives because it meant that my Wi-Fi dongle was constantly charged and the phone was constantly charged because I was using that as sat-nav. Um, mm. And then uh, I was also able to charge, you know, my iPad and, and all those sorts of things and Cam Ranger because sometimes you didn't have enough time overnight to make sure that everything was charged for the, the next day. Yeah, so that, that came in really handy. Power board, Val, from home. Very, very so that, that's my, like, the, my best travel hack to make sure yeah. that, like, you, you can charge all your devices at once without mm. having to have 15 different um, adapters. Power uh, Because often you can't, you struggle to even find a power adapter. The mm. other thing that comes in handy, uh, hand warmers. Uh, oh, yes. To keep your hands warm at those late nights. And uh, uh, the one thing I didn't have that I wish I had was a thermos. So for those long drives oh. uh, in between uh, coffee stops, I could have just filled the thermos and always had like tea, hot tea or coffee yeah. with me. So I, I reckon that would be a good thing to bring. Uh, lens wipes as well. Mm. and a towel to protect your gear so that if you're close to a waterfall, there's often mist that's coming off and your gear yeah, could right. get a bit wet. So you just rather than covering it with plastic, which means you've sort of got to deal with the, the plastic, uh, wet plastic all the time, a towel, which will absorb uh, some of the splash but keep your camera gear uh, safe as well. Okay, so and you have a blog post, don't you, or you have a link to a post on how to protect your camera in extreme conditions. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I just found one from uh, Deidre Wilson who just runs through some great ideas. So I just got thinking, so in extreme cold, which is what I experienced in Iceland, and uh, here in Australia we have extreme heat, can really knock your camera around. So, like, there's all sorts of, um, uh, like, uh, oils and and things in the actual uh, gears and mechanisms of the lenses and the cameras. And so that, like, keeping your car in uh, extreme heat or... Or extreme cold is going to have a, a, an effect and uh, like will affect the battery and uh, and uh, wear and tear. So uh, she's got some great points, particularly in cold weather, like um, the battery will uh, – get used up a lot faster if it's really cold so it's important that you keep your batteries of your camera uh, nice and warm and that you protect your uh, gear from uh, the wet weather and make sure that you bring it inside if it's been rained on and let it dry out so that's got uh, a lot of uh, good tips in it if, if you're going to go to one of these extreme climates to shoot. Mm-mm. Now if you are interested in shooting the northern lights or quite frankly if you're interested in shooting at night 
night, particularly the night sky. This is, uh, it, I'm, you know, this is going to be of interest to you. Now, I'm not even going to bother asking Gina what the Northern Lights are because I suspect that she'll make up the explanation. <laughs> no, it's the bright light, dancing lights of the aurora are actually collisions between electrically charged particles from the sun that enter the Earth's atmosphere. Okay, she read the that lights are seen above the magnetic poles of the northern and southern hemispheres, and that's via northern lights of Aurora Borealis explained. Oh, there's a link if you want to know more. Yeah, so uh, but why, don't you, why don't you just, without the technical explanation which you just read, why don't you tell us what you saw in the sky? So. When I, there, there is, uh, and I'll, I'll put a, remind me to put a link in the show notes, Val. There are websites that you can go to that actually tell you what the, uh, the, the Northern Lights activity is going to be, and there's a rating from 1 to 10, a scale. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, night, the day I arrived, it, it was, uh, they were saying there's going to be activity and it's, ve- it's high to very high tonight. So it's a good night to see them. So they recommend that to see the Northern Lights, you've got to get away from light pollution, which is like the city and uh, it was recommended that all I needed to do was drive 10 minutes anywhere in any direction out of Reykjavik the capital city and I would see them so I had a look on my map and uh, I found that there was a lighthouse uh, about 15 minutes away Mm -hmm. and uh, so I drove there and the lighthouse was called Grotta Lighthouse and Mm -hmm. uh, so I headed there in the dark at about 10 o'clock at night and uh, got a rock star park right out the front there was lots of other cars there because obviously word had got around that the lights coming out so I'm in my car Val Mm -hmm. and I'm putting the tripod together I'm getting the cam ranger out I'm putting Mm -hmm. the card in the camera I'm fiddling around right the light the interior light of the car is on the whole time Mm -hmm. and then uh, I switch the light off and I look out the window and I'm like holy shite I could see them out the window, the lights. Like, the lights, the lights, the lights. So I'm grabbing all my stuff and, like, I didn't even know where to run. I just, like, couldn't even believe that they were happening. So the thing is a lot of people get confused and they go to see the Northern Lights and they might be in the city and they've been inside and their lights Mm. are um, are used to the bright light. You don't see them because how they they look is you might see clouds, extra clouds. Mm. But as your eyes get used to the light, you start to see the amazing colours. Now, I've shared all these images uh, in the show notes and these are, like, I haven't tweaked the saturation. I haven't done a lot of these shots. This is what I saw and the photos don't even do it justice. So, mm-hmm. honestly, I set up my tripod and then I spent a good 20 minutes just looking up at the sky and I couldn't even take a shot, Val. Wow. I so blown away by how beautiful it was it was Mm. just like so amazing and the colors and they moved so fast which was what surprised me they dance all around the sky there was a point where it was like they were so intense and so fierce I was actually a bit frightened (laughs) because it was like uh, it's just 
so insane. I've never seen anything like it. It is just the most incredible sight. So for me to not even be able to shoot for 15 minutes yeah. tells you how amazing it is. So I managed to compose myself. <laughs> yeah, so there's a series of these shots in the show notes which you'll find at ginamilitia.com and they are amazing. I think that um, I can't imagine what it would have been like to be looking at the night sky and seeing these amazing colours and swirls all like across the entire sky. So, wow. I mean, obviously it's pitch black or it's dark where you are, right? It's, it's like so we're right away so that you can't really see anything. So that's where the uh, the little torch that I, I purchased at the airport last minute, like I've got a little pocket torch in my kit, but this was like a uh, like a, a larger, like one the size of my hand, which was a little mm-hmm. LED, uh, which I could actually um, uh, hold on to and see where I was going because I was actually walking along the beach, but there's rocks and there's uh, parts where the, the water has come in, so I didn't want to step on any water. And I didn't didn't want to walk off a cliff uh so yes. i had to, i use i use this torch to make my way and get as close to the lighthouse as possible because i wanted to have um some architecture in front of yeah. uh, the northern lights just to to give it perspective otherwise you sort of get a black hole and uh these amazing dancing lights so mm. that came in so handy um yeah so so, so it, cool. it, it, um you must have did you do long exposure or how did, what how did you actually capture these lights because you because not only are the colors very vibrant you yeah. also captured uh, you know some context like whether that's a lighthouse or an island in the distance or some sh- uh, shrubs at the front w- was yeah w- was it mainly long exposures i assume so basically, it's um, you. You there, there is a basic exposure that you can try, and then it's a bit of trial and error. So what you do is you obviously you must have a tripod, right, yeah, to, yeah. To, to shoot the night sky. That that's essential, a good sturdy one. And then you want to be setting your ISO to between four hundred and a thousand. Okay, so I think I started at around a thousand, and you want as fast a lens as possible because, like, obviously the night sky is so far away that like um, a shallow depth of field isn't really going to uh, um, impact on the yep. shot yep. at all. So like as, as, as fast a lens as possible means that you can uh, shoot at a lower ISO. So aperture wide open. So I went with uh, my uh, like a, a 2.8 to start with. Mm. Then the tricky thing is because it's night, like where are you going to focus on? It's very hard to, to get mm. a lock onto anything. So what you can do is a, a really good trick that I learned was to uh, pre-focus on a light that's in the far distance so you get a lock onto that and then go to manual focus so you've got basically uh, your camera is focused at infinity and so basically everything that you shoot uh, in the far distance is going to be sharp so that's what I did I just focused on I actually focused on the lighthouse which was pretty easy and got my lock on Um, and then start at an exposure of 15 seconds and tweak up on uh, up or down uh, depending on how how bright uh, the lights are. So the lights that I was shooting were quite bright. So you can see in the show notes that I did start at a uh, 
15 second, uh, 10 second exposure at a thousand ISO, and that that was uh, like a bit insipid. That was my first one, so mm. the, the lights didn't look that great. And then I started tweaking and uh, dropped my ISO down. And uh, as the lights got more powerful and the uh, activity got stronger, I went to eight seconds, and mm. then I went dropped to four seconds. Because they're moving so fast. Mm. Uh, like I was shooting between two and four seconds and that sort of uh, made them look a bit sharper as well because otherwise you get uh, motion blur yeah. with the light. So I was playing around 800 ISO, F2.8, between four and two seconds. I had the cam ranger so I could see what I was doing uh, on the back of the screen and, and that came in uh, so handy and it also meant that I wasn't actually touching the camera itself because like when you're taking a shot with the camera, you're depressing the shutter and you might might be just knocking the camera a little bit and so you might get like a bit of camera shake so so you a, a good uh, remote trigger uh is uh, helps with this sort of uh, night photography as yeah. well you know um a cable release as well and if you don't have one of those you can set your shutter to delay like you can give it a two to five second delay so when you depress the shutter it waits and then you give your camera uh time to steady itself on the tripod and you avoid getting any camera shake Mm-mm. So yeah. So you so that- shot a lot at four hundred. Then you shot a lot of eight hundred. And there's a shot here at uh, this is ISO. And there's a shot here at uh, ISO of two thousand at yep. uh, f two point eight and four seconds. Um, and I reckon that's a cracker. Which one's that? Because it's um, it's got uh, some reflection of a lake in the okay, foreground. Okay, so that was yeah, that was the second night. So that's when I drove oh, down okay. to Vic. So the first ones were at the lighthouse, and the second night they were the the rating went up one. Mm-hmm. So they they were like even higher, and this was just like unbelievable and so I wanted to be at a spot that was over a a body of water so that I I would get the reflections but like how phenomenal is that uh it's amazing it's just it was just ridiculous there's sort of like a plateau that goes um halfway across the frame coming out from the right and below it is a body of water and above it is the night sky and coming out of the plateau almost like a explosion uh, is these northern lights but yeah. that is reflected in the lake in the body of water yeah. and it's yeah. and it's stunning yeah, and Stunning. the intensity varies, and it's like the thing is with the northern lights. Like, there's people that that came out on the night that I was at the um the lighthouse, and uh, they got there at around uh like eight o'clock, and they waited till nine or ten o'clock, and they're like, oh, nothing's happening, we're cold, and they've gone home, mm. and then five minutes after they've left, this epic light show start, and they've missed out, and they've mm. like often people will fly into Reykjavik for a day or two, mm. and uh, and not see anything uh, because it's like you, you, you need to go and uh, set yourself up for a few hours and wait and they can be like they can go for an hour the show can go for an hour it can die down and what happened in at the lighthouse was they they started they stopped and then by the time I made myself to the lighthouse they just went off again and it was just like the whole time I'm like oh my god this is amazing <laughs> I was just like the, the like there was all these other photographers uh, like some of them that live in the in in Iceland, some of them that have come from other places, and uh, like mm. you know, it's like there isn't any what's your name, where are you from? Everyone's mm. just sharing this experience, and I was just like, must have been like the daggiest one there because I was just standing there going, oh my god, this is amazing! <laughs> Show me your photo. What did you What are you set at? 
oh, I've got this, you know, it's just like the biggest dag there and I'm just like openly loving it. It was just such a cool experience, Val. Wow, that's brilliant. Wow. And look, if you guys are shooting some kind of natural phenomenon, make sure you share the – they don't have to be of the Northern Lights. It can be of something else. Make sure you um, let us know because we'd love to see how you treat that as well, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So what was the most rewarding thing about – the experience um i i can't i can't it just like being there being able to capture it the fact that i uh spent you know that good 15 to 20 minutes just watching it mm. uh was amazing the fact that i uh flew all the way there it was my birthday that day too oh, that wow. was just like and i've been telling people like all that week i'm going to iceland to see the northern lights for my birthday and they're like <laughs> oh good luck you know you can't always see them they're hit and miss i'm like i know hopefully and there wasn't any expectations i would have been like would have been disappointed but like you know i i understand but the fact that i'm there and it's my birthday and then i'm sitting there with these complete strangers going it's my birthday (laughs) all the lights (laughs) shining just for me it was so cool that's awesome and what was the most challenging thing about trying to capture the northern lights well, the fact that they moved so much and, mm. uh, like, you know, I, I, I wish I had the time to uh, really prepare for the shots because I've seen some epic shots where they – people have gone to the trouble of finding like you know a shipwreck on the beach that they mm. can photograph and then they might do a little bit of light painting in front mm. of them so things like that so just finding uh, a, a great location but then you don't know that when the lights going appear, to turn yeah. up behind them so they might be like completely on the other side and you know the the, the light pollution is an issue uh, often other photographers might stumble into your shot I think I stumbled into a couple of other people's <laughs> shots I don't know the etiquette we should get Michael go on to uh, as an interview him to explain some of the etiquette of uh, shooting night photography because you can like turn your torch on and just completely ruin someone else's okay, shots because the, to go the into such... so he's so remote that yeah. they're probably People, never no be another person there, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was just uh, so good. Not Michael seeing was probably go- a challenge. Sorry? Sorry, Val. You, know, you of go. Course, of course, Michael Go is a great photographer based out in Western Australia, I think, and uh, he shoots a lot of stuff of the of astronomy, really, of of, yeah. um, of constellations, of the night sky, particularly in outback Australia. They're very beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay. Great. Well, now I th- I feel that we've only you know uh, touch the tip of the iceberg here and of iceland um because <laughs> i know that there was more to your trip than yes. just the northern lights so yeah, we've only got into day I'm thinking, two, what, I'm thinking what we need to do is do a part two yeah what, we'll do a what part do you think two, of, for sure of for Gina's sure epic photography road trip to iceland yes definitely okay. all right yeah. great well i think that uh, well what is hashtag gina challenge this week gina because we um we of course every week have a hashtag gina challenge and we pick a topic and it might be hashtag birds or hashtag sunlight or hashtag selfie or hashtag portrait or hashtag lifestyle whatever and um, you can interpret that however you like and 
uh, take a shot or upload a shot into the um, Facebook group and so that we can all um, have some kind of theme running through our shots and uh, it's great to have this hashtag Gina challenge going on each week. Now, in the Facebook group, you just need to search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and you'll find it. It's free to join. And um, it's just great, like a water cooler kind of place. If you'd like a higher level of um, mentoring directly from Gina, then have a look at the gold community and you can find out more about that at ginamilitia.com. So what is hashtag Gina challenge this week, Gina? Uh, we're going to make it uh, for this week. Night lights, Val. Night lights. I love it. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's going to be really interesting because there's going to be some fantastic variations in, oh, yeah. in night lights and interpretations. So I look forward to having a look at that. So until part two of uh, this adventure, where do we find you online, Gina? So you can find me at ginamilitia.com. So that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And I'm at Gina Militia on Twitter, at Gina Militia on Instagram. And uh, th- th- that's about it, Val. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll find me at Valerie Koo. That's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram. And also um, I'm on Facebook based in mm-hmm. Sydney. And uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And we look forward to chatting to you again next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.